We're so glad you've joined us today that we get to open up God's word and and see what he has for us this morning. I'm going to invite us, today's passage as we've been walking this through uh, may cause us to think and ask some questions. And I want to invite us today to do one thing, to set aside our baggage to set aside our ideas or our history and the things that we've thought about or we've heard or we've come into this space together and to say, God, we want one thing, for you to speak to us through your word and allow us to be transformed. Is, is, that, a, is that a fair ask of all of us this morning to come in and say, God, will you transform us? You guys in with that? Yep. Amen, amen. Well, here's what I wanna do. I wanna ask a really important question. How many of you love to play games? Mm, I heard a mmm, that meant it was tasty. It was a good question. It is a, we all love to play games. How many of you love to play games and you don't know what the rules are? No one does because no one can win. No one loves to step into something that makes no sense. It's like parents and grandparents trying to play a game with a kid when it's all in their imagination. And you're like, I don't know what we're doing, but I love you, so I'm gonna sit here, kid. All right, that's what it's like. And as we come to this passage, I want us to hear loud and clear that Paul is writing to the church in Corinth, and he is helping them understand some rules, some structure that needs to take place so that the church thrives, grows, has an impact in the community around them. Paul is giving specific instructions over these last few chapters that we've been walking through from 11 all the way to now. We're coming into the end of kind of a series of thoughts about how the church functions together. So if you have been around church and you're a Christian, I'm really leaning into us in this moment. If you're not a believer and you're new to this thing called faith or you don't know really what we're talking about, I want you to hang in tight because all this has to do with you actually. Because how we live and serve and care for one another should have an impact on you because of the gospel and what God has been doing in us. And so we need to kind of have a little conversation. And that's what Paul is doing for the church in Corinth. He is specifically talking to a local church in the town, the village, the city of Corinth. And he is writing about specific issues that they are dealing with in real time thousands of years ago. But because God is so worthy of worship, he chose to let his word speak in a specific moment and then thousands of years later speak to us in a specific moment and cultural context. Isn't that crazy to think about that God would speak then and he is now speaking now because the writer of Hebrews reminds us that the word of God is living and active. It's meant to do a work in us so that God and the Holy Spirit can work through us for the good and the benefit of the world around us, so that the name of Jesus Christ is lifted high. And so as we, as we kind of frame our conversation today, we're going to step into this space saying, God, your word, not our ideas, shape us. And we realize that God is talking to a specific culture in a specific context, but we are asking God to reveal to us the things inside of us that need to change, that need to be sharpened, the things where we need to grow in so that we can be the men, women, the boys, the girls, the students in the space that God has created us and called us to be. So that's where we're going this morning. Would you guys pray with me? And then we're going to dive into God's word. Y'all ready for that? All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you. Holy Spirit, would you fill us? Would you fill this place? Would you speak, oh God, I ask in your name, Jesus Christ, that you would have your way, that you would lead us as a good and faithful king because that is who you are. 
So God, we come in this place and we submit our hearts, our minds, our lives to you, that you would shape us and form us so that you alone receive all the glory because you alone are worthy. Have your way, God. We are yours. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So let's pick up in chapter 14, verse 26, where the Lord says, What then, brothers, when you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. And what's that next part say? Let all things be done for building up. For the building up. This is crucial for our understanding of what Paul is writing to the church in Corinth. So if you have your Bible, I want you to underline that. If you've got a pen or on your Bible app, underline, highlight that, because this is paramount for us to understand. He says, if you speak in a tongue, let there be only one or two or at most three, and each in turn let someone interpret. But if there is no one to interpret, let each of them keep what? Silent in church and speak to himself and to God. Let two or three prophets speak and let others weigh what is said, meaning they're going to test it. They're going to discern if someone is speaking the word of God, they have this collective moment where they say, yeah, that seems to be in line with the scriptures. And that's what's happening in that verse right there. And he goes on in verse 30. If a revelation is made to another sitting there, let the first be silent, meaning take turns, be respectful, listen to one another. For you can all prophesy one by one so that all may learn and be what? encouraged, and the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. What I want us to see in this passage, just from like a a teaching, instructing moment, what Paul is doing is Paul is giving guidelines, rules for them to live and operate as a church body, as people gather together, because the church is now a very diverse group of people, men, women, from all different walks of life, slave, free, Jews, Gentiles, All these people are thrown into a new community and God is saying, this is my church and with this new thing called the church, I am going to change the world because people will hear the power of the gospel. The promised Messiah has come and he's gonna work in and through people. So they're trying to figure it out and Paul comes in as a leader in this space to help them understand how they should move and have their being. So I want us to just get this idea that structure creates strength for the church. That structure creates strength for them. Because if you don't know what the rules are and everything seems kind of confusing, how are you going to step confidently into certain scenarios or understand what you're supposed to be doing and how things should come to be? We as a church here at Chapel Point, a local context in the year 2023, we have some sort of structure. You come in, you greet people, we sing some songs, we do a welcome, we have a structure that people can come in and hopefully encounter the living God in and through his word and in and through you. But that's not what's happening in the church in Corinth. There was chaos, there was confusion, there was a whole lot that was going on where people were beginning to speak over one another and tongues were happening and and sometimes there was an interpreter and sometimes there wasn't an interpreter and someone said, hey, this is what I understand out of the Old Testament. I think God is helping us to understand that this is what it means in this passage and there just begins to be a lot of confusion and so Paul is trying to clean that up. And so that's what we do similarly. We bring songs, we bring teachings, lessons, some encouragement, some exhortation, meaning sharpening and encouraging one another in this space. The purpose of this church family as they would gather together is what? Do you remember from that passage right there at the back end of verse 26? Let all things be done to what? Build up. Let all things be done to what? Build up. 
And so did you know that you came into this space not to be someone who just received something this morning, but each and every one of you, no matter your age, no matter where your background is from, you are here for one purpose, and that is to build up one another. So just take a quick glance around the room. This is who you're here to serve. One another. Each of you from the, from the back row to the front row, we are here to serve and build up one another. That is the purpose. That's what it means to be the church. In fact, did you know that in Ephesians 4, 11 and 12, when it talks about some roles uh, for leadership in the church, the purpose of the leadership of the church is to equip the saints, to equip you, y'all, in the good Texas, plural you should say, to equip y'all for good works and to do the ministry? That's why we exist, is so that you are equipped to be the church, to advance the name of Jesus, to live and to be something that looks so different in a world that is lost, hurt, and broken. We get to be the church and look a little bit differently. That structure gives strength. It allows us to understand how we're going to operate in this space. Because the style of worship, it's contextualized. The elements of the worship are contextualized. But there has to be some sort of order, some sort of structure. And that's what Paul's getting at in this passage. And in fact, as I'm telling you that your job is to build up one another, I want to ask this question. Did you, why did you come here this morning? Why did you come here this morning? And when we think about that, and if we're really honest with ourselves, I wonder, do we come in this place because we came to get something out of it? We came to get something out of it. But when you come, come to contribute, not consume. When you come to church, come to contribute, not to consume. We are inviting each and every one of you to participate in the work of ministry, to make disciples, whether in kids or students or young adults or in small groups. We are inviting you to contribute, whether you need to serve and greet and host, help make coffee so that people can step into the space and their guards can be lowered. We're inviting you to serve on a team to contribute to the work of ministry. And there is a plethora of opportunities that you can step into However, the Lord has equipped you and called you. We get to come into this place to contribute, not just consume. And I'll tell you one of the things that just, it, it blessed me like crazy a few years back. We've been praying and we've been working hard as church leadership to be a church that is rooted in prayer, that really our default, that in any and every situation is to give God prayer and praise and thanks and to seek him when we don't have clarity and when we don't understand things or there's hard moments in our lives to create a church that is truly rooted in prayer. And the thing that just blessed me, I remember a few years back, we walked out of this space into the gathering area and I saw a group of people laying hands on someone else, praying for them, not prompted by church leadership, but because this is who we are. This is what it means to be the church. And, and we do that often around our church, whether it's commissioning missionaries or parent dedication. Baby D that was here a few weeks back, we all raised hands to pray for one another. Church, as you walk out of this space, worship doesn't just happen inside these walls. It happens as you're in the gathering spaces. It happens as you're leaving. It happens as you go home or wherever you leave from this place. You get to build one another up. 
Maybe a question you need to ask yourself as you're leaving this day, if you're with some friends or with family, or as you step into a small group where you can receive care and accountability and help take the word of God next in your uh, journey with him. Maybe you need to ask this question, did I contribute to the body of Christ today? Did I build someone else up? Did I serve others in Jesus' name? Maybe those are some questions that we need to ask ourselves this morning as we, as we sit here asking Holy Spirit to continue to transform us right now and then as we leave. Did you contribute? Did you serve someone else? I'm even praying right now just as, we're, as I'm preaching that God would bring someone in this space that maybe you don't know that you need to go encourage and pray for this morning. We have a structure that creates space for that. It's called the gathering area. And it gives our church strength to know that we are in this together. We are in this together. How are you going to build up and contribute to someone else this morning? So here's, we're about to do something a little crazy. We're about, I'm, I'm, you're going to participate with me. You guys ready for this? Okay, so I'm prepping you because typically you need prepping. All right, so this is, I'm, I'm here to help you. In a few moments, I'm going to read some scripture, but I'm going to ask something of you. I'm going to ask on this side, kind of this aisle over, you're going to just continue to say, God is good, God is faithful, just over and over again. Can you practice with me? God is good, God is faithful, God is good, God is faithful. Man, we're going to keep, y'all are already ready. All right, I like this side a lot. This moment, this, is, this is, would be a way, you're, you're declaring something. In some ways, you may be like what's happening in the passage. You're prophesying. You're, you're declaring a truth of the scriptures to build up the body of Christ. That's so good. We need to be reminded of these things. All right, this section right here, all through the middle, y'all got the good one. How many of you guys like worship music? How many of you love to sing in public? <sighs> We're all going to sing, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Do you know this song? It's an old song. If you don't know, we failed you younger generation people. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the... Oh, man, so good, so good. All right, and this side over here, I'm just going to invite you to pray a prayer out loud. Now, I know this, y'all got the hard one. I love you. Just be friends with me later, Okay. I'm just gonna invite you to pray. You can say, God, would you be with my family? God, my kids just started school. God, some things are going. Just whatever the prayer of the Lord is on your heart, I need you to pray out loud. Can you do this with me? Uncomfortable. We can do it, guys. We can do it. I'll even come over here and I'll pray with you guys. Can, can we, yeah, so you get a little bit of mic coverage and you can pray in that space. All right. All right, so I've prepped you all. You all know your roles, okay? Yes? Yes, okay. Verse 33. For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. This is a hinge verse for this passage. Just as much as the big idea is paramount for us that we are here to build up one another, every bit of this passage, these two sections of the gifts and what we're about to read in the next few minutes, hangs on this idea. That God is not a God of confusion, God is not a God of confusion, but one of peace. Other translations say of order. He makes sense. Even when the world and internally we think, God, this doesn't make sense. The difference is he is God and we are not. He is God and we are not. And so here we go. On the count of three, you're going to do your part. You ready with me? All right, one, I'm coming over here because the prayer people need some help with praying. All right, so 
Y'all got it over there. Y'all are good. All right, here we go. One, two, three. God, I thank you for today. God, you are faithful and true. So God, I just give you praise. God, you are so good and we love you and we thank you for your presence with us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, y'all be quiet. That was it. That's all you get. Could you imagine for a moment if that was every Sunday? Could you imagine for a moment if that's how you walked in and the video countdown ran and then all of a sudden everyone started singing whatever song they wanted to sing? Some people just started declaring truths about who God is and what the word of God has been teaching them. And some people are praying out loud together and they're saying, you know, just things that are good and true. All this was good, yes? But it was a little chaotic, right? It was a little chaotic because everyone's saying something different and we're wanting to lean in. What are they saying and what are they praying? Because I want to join them in that prayer. And I like that song, but that was a little out of key, right? Um, that's what's happening in this passage, in this first part where Paul is instructing and has been since chapter 11, whether it's communion, whether it's spiritual gifts, whether it's roles for people and how to lead in worship. There was chaos and some things didn't make sense and it has to get cleaned up because why? God is not a God of confusion, but of what? Peace, order. When we come knowing that we are to contribute and to build up one another, the place of the church, when the church gathers together, remember the church is not a building, it's us. It should be a moment of peace because everywhere else in the world is anxious and feels chaotic and there's tension and confusion and chaos. But we get to come into a place to allow God to continue to transform us and to renew us. That's why this verse is so important because it helps us make sense of everything else so we're not gonna get lost in tongues and prophecies and spiritual gifts. The purpose of the church is to build one another up knowing that God creates peace and order and that structure of a church service, a gathering of people gives strength to build one another up. In fact, this is what God has been doing from the very beginning. In Genesis 1, 1, the word of God says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. That word without form and void and darkness in the original language in the Hebrew is this word chaos. It's this word, this nothingness, this darkness, this void, this thing that does not make sense. It's there where God is present in the chaos. And in that chaos, verse three, it says, God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good and that God separated the light from the darkness. God in the very beginning was creating order out of chaos. He was creating structure and life-giving things out of problems and things that didn't seem to make sense. And that's exactly what the church in Corinth is experiencing. They were corrupt 
confusion had filled their church gatherings. Sin had stepped in. There was sexual sin that we've discussed previously in these passages. There was selfishness where people would come to the communion table and they would eat all the bread and the, and, the, and the wine. And then the people who came there to worship had nothing. They were promoting themselves versus serving one another. There was chaos that was happening in the church. And what I want us to understand is that restoration is possible out of chaos restoration is possible out of the chaos, out of the confusion. This is what God is best at. Out of chaos, bringing order and life and structure, things that give life, that give life. Restoration is possible out of the chaos. This is so true of our world, where algorithms keep us in echo chambers of biases where misinformation stories go back and forth, where people's agendas trump their ideas from a lack of understanding, whether it's true ignorance or a lack of, we're not gonna pursue these things because it's difficult and messy and we don't wanna deal with it. Confusion abounds in every corner of our world, but we get to be a church that builds one another up, that sees one another as a vital part of the body of Christ to contribute something so that when the world around us sees us, they say, what is going on there? Who are these people? We are people that have been marked by restoration. People that have been redeemed and restored because God stepped into the stories of our lives and in the chaos and in the brokenness brought redemption, took the broken pieces and begins to put them back together. And from the beginning to the end, this is what God is doing because in the end, in Revelation 21, it tells us that there's gonna be a new heaven and a new earth where all, as the Jesus Storybook Bible puts it, all the sad things come untrue, where the broken things are made new. This is our God. And we need to be reminded, just I, wanna, I, I can't rush past this passage in this verse, that confusion doesn't come from God. Confusion doesn't come from God, but it comes from us. We have to be really careful, my friends, that whenever we feel confused or a theological idea doesn't make sense to us, it's not God is not the problem. We're the problem. If I don't understand something or I wrestle with it according to the word of God, and I'm like, I don't like that, that's not because God failed or because God is wrong. It's because I'm broken, I'm a sinner who needs to continually be transformed by the renewing of my mind, as Romans 12 tells us. I'm the one who's causing confusion. I'm the one who's uncertain. God has never wavered from Genesis 1 to Revelation 21. This is what he's doing bringing restoration and redemption out of broken and chaotic things. Can we be as humble to recognize that? To say, God, I don't have it all figured out. And even in my best attempts, I'm still gonna surrender to you and to your word. That's why this next part of this passage, it can be really tricky. Because what I'm about to read, some of you in this room are going to go, ooh, he did not just say that. If we approach it from our bias, if we approach it from our cultural context, and we miss, miss this moment that God is speaking specifically to a group of people, but he's also speaking to us in this zone, 
and we bring all this baggage into this passage, we're going to miss the point that God has brought us here to build one another up and that he is a God of peace and order and structure, not one of confusion. So therefore, we step into this next part of this passage. Verse 34 says, Women should keep silent in the churches, for they are not permitted to speak, but should in submission, as the law also says, if there's anything they desire to learn, let them ask their husbands at home, for it's shameful for a woman to speak in church. So I'm going to pause right there for a moment and we'll continue to read because these next two ideas, talking about gifts and this idea of women speaking in the church, they hinge again on building up one another and God is a God of order, of peace, not confusion in this passage. What's happening in the church in Corinth is there is a new group of people trying to live and operate differently than the Jewish customs and their Gentile customs ways of worship that needed to be restructured. And so they're sitting and they're talking where men would be taught in synagogues and there would be a separate section for women that was to the side that's still happening today. If you were to go to the Welling Wall in Jerusalem, there's a men's section and there's a women's section and the two do not mix and mingle. But yet here in the scriptures, we find this points of tension because in chapter 11, Paul even says women should pray and prophesy in the church, but then you get this passage that says women should be silent. He's not talking about women not having a voice in the church. He's not saying that. He's saying there are roles and there are structures that give us strength to move forward so that it is not chaotic because what's happening in this passage is the women are learning these new things and men had been having conversations in this religious space and they're talking over one another just like none of you on this side heard what these people were praying over here because there was talking and confusion there was a lot going back and forth in this space, and Paul is simply trying to clean up the flow for them. Because a husband and wife are one flesh, process these things together outside of the church service so that when you come into the church service, you can build one another up. The, the woman should be built up just as much as the man should be built up in this space. This is not a statement where our culture would want to pull this verse out and say, this is an archaic book that has nothing to do and cannot speak to our culture because it says women should be silent. That is not what the word of God is saying. It's saying there's order, there is structure. Men and women are to complement one another in the home as husband and wife. And it is God bringing peace and order and structure into the church gathering. And so I want us to be careful that we don't take this verse out and we mishandle it and build a wrong theology around this. The church of Jesus is one that has empowered and equipped everyone to do good works for the ministry. Jesus talked to the woman at the well, a Samaritan woman, not just a woman, but an ethnic woman that the Jewish people despised. Jesus has been challenging the, our understandings of cultural uh, distinctions for a long time, but he's also given a structure so that everyone can thrive in the scriptures, and thrive in the church so that everyone can, what? Be built up. Built up in this space. If there's confusion and chaos, it means we're making a mess of it. We're not following Jesus as we should. That's why this passage is so, so delicate, but yet at the same time, it's easy to speak to if you don't take the verse out of context. 
because he's talking about the order of church, a service flow, a way that they are worshiping together. And that's why it goes on in verse 36, or was it from you the word of God came, or are you the only ones it has reached? If anyone thinks he's a prophet or spiritual, he should acknowledge that the things I'm writing to you are a command of the Lord. If anyone does not recognize this, he is not recognized. So my brothers earnestly desire to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues. Again, Paul just keeps going back into this and just doubling down on the idea there is order, there is structure. Let's strive together in this. And that's why verse 40 is so critical. But all things should be done decently and in order. All things should be done decently and in order. When there is confusion, it hinders our witness into the community. When we begin to create walls of division around uh, misunderstood theological ideas, it causes confusion and hinders our witness in the community. One commentator says it like this, whatever hinders the movement of the gospel causes confusion rather than growth. It offends rather than encourages or strengthens. It builds up the self at the expense of others. All of this is contrary to God's intention. As Paul wraps up this section on church order from 1 Corinthians 11 to now, that is the heartbeat. That we would be a church where the gospel movement is not hindered by the way that we worship. The styles, the preferences, the distinctives about our local community. We are here to see a gospel movement just rush over our community in this world. And we get to be a part of it when we build one another up and when we contribute instead of consuming. But here's what we know. That the enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy. John 10.10 clearly says, this is Jesus' words, the purpose of the enemy is to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants us to get distracted by these conversations. He wants us to get distracted by the conversation about spiritual gifts and roles of women in the ministry. He wants us to get lost in theological ideas so that we are actually no good to the community around us to advance the gospel. Walls of division of theological ideas, the enemy wants us to build those. He wants us to build up walls against styles and practices in worship, music styles, loudness, volume, all those sorts of things. Whatever it is, the enemy says, I want to build a wall and get people that walk out of this space. Oh, I didn't like that service because they didn't do it the way that I wanted it to be done. The enemy loves nothing more than that. But we are called to build up the church, not express our opinion, but to give glory to advance the gospel. That is why we are here, my friends. That is it. To build up the church, one another. You have a part to play right now, today, this moment, to build up and to contribute, to encourage. Whether that's just to simply pray for our church family in this moment, whether it's to find someone that you need to encourage or someone that you need to forgive or someone you need to ask for forgiveness from. We have a part to play because the reality is this. We were dead in our trespasses. We were dead in our trespasses. We are the problem because we are broken. We've carried sin in our lives. But God, Ephesians 4 reminds us, is rich in mercy. He's rich in mercy. And he has made a way for you to be forgiven for you to find hope, for you to find your purpose, to build up one another, to contribute. 
And so maybe today, like your life feels like a little bit like chaos. Maybe you have a moment in a season where there's confusion in your life. We can't be the church if we don't start at step one to believe and trust that Jesus is who he says he is. That Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And he invites you to follow him. He invites you to be a disciple of him, to be transformed, dying to yourself daily because it is necessary because we carry baggage with us. We carry problems and struggles into these moments, but in every step, God is restoring us. He is bringing restoration out of the chaos. And if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, it starts there. And if you're a Christian and you know Jesus, it starts there and it stays there and it will finish there. That Jesus is our Savior and he is the one who has restored us and redeems us by the blood of the Lamb who died on the cross for you, for your sins, past, present, and future. You can be free and contribute to the body of Christ because the gospel is the good news. It's the word of God that has spoken over the chaos to bring peace to our broken hearts and to this broken world. And we get to be ambassadors of that. Because 1 Corinthians 1.18 says, for the word of the cross is folly to those who are preaching. It makes no sense. Why would I die to myself? Why would I try to continue to submit my biases and my preferences uh, to the word of God and to this community of believers? Why would I do that? Because it doesn't make sense. The cross is the way to life, but it's an instrument of death. It's folly to those who are perishing, but to us, but to us, the word of God says, it is the power of God. But to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. God is at work and his power is seen when we believe. Romans 1.16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. And so I invite you today to simply believe, to trust that. Wrestle with the scriptures, dive into it in a small group, process it with one another, but we need to be reminded this morning That God is not a God of chaos or confusion, but he is a God of peace who loves you and has called you. He's called you, which means he's going to equip you to build up the church, to build up one another. And so in this time of response, as Pastor Daniel leads us, I'm inviting you to not just sing songs on a screen, but to invite God in this very moment to do a work in you right now to convict you of where there's sin and you need to ask for forgiveness. To have someone ask God to bring someone to mind that you need to go bless today, to encourage, to build up. And if you need to know what it means to follow Jesus, there's a prayer room right back here and I've got some amazing folks that would love to tell you what it means to follow Jesus. And we get to do it together as his church. May we respond passionately to his word today. God, we love you. 
We thank you. We need you. This is your space, oh God. This is your space to do a work in us so you can work through us to advance your kingdom. God, would you do what only you can do and that is to change us. Apart from you, God, your word tells us in John 15, we can do nothing. So God, help us to abide and to be the church you've called us to be. God, we are desperate for you in these moments. Do not let the enemy distract us divide us. We lean into what you have for us in these moments, God. Holy Spirit, speak. Holy Spirit, speak. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.